0: So for our teaching time, we are uh, looking at the parables of Christ, the parables of Christ. We're in a season where we are studying uh, the parables that Jesus told. And so when Jesus told parables, he's not just giving clever stories. He is showing us ultimate reality. You want to know what ultimate reality is? Look in the parables, earthly stories heavenly realities jesus speaks his word he opens our eyes to the reality of heaven and then he invites us to live in that reality so we're going to step into uh the palace of one of christ's parables this morning would you like a glimpse of ultimate reality today say yes (laughs) yeah yes yes Show me reality, Lord. And we're going to look at ultimate reality because that reality, you can build your life on it. You can build your life on it. All right? So if you have your Bibles, would you please turn to the New Testament book of Matthew? Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. And you'll find Matthew in your church Bibles, uh, which are underneath your seats. Uh, on page eight hundred and twenty five, page eight hundred and twenty five, and we're going to look at um, a parable that i want to I want to actually put a title on this parable. In your Bible, you will say you will see something like "The laborers in the Vineyard." But I want to put a tag on this passage of scripture that I'm going to read. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 30 to chapter 20, verse 16, Matthew 19, 30 to 2016. Here's the, here's, the title, here's the title: The Parable of God's offensive generosity. The parable of God's offensive generosity. Hear these words from the word. But many who are first will be last and the last first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and to them he said you go into the vineyard too and whatever is right I will give you so they went going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour he did the same and about the 11th hour he went out and found others standing and he said to them why do you stand here idle all day they said to him, Well, because no one has hired us. He said to them, Will you go into the vineyard too? And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius now when those hired first came they thought they would receive more but each of them also received a denarius and on receiving it they grumbled at their master grumbled at the master of the house saying these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge me my generosity? So, the last will be first, and the first last. This is the word of God. I don't know where the master in this parable went to business school. (laughs) But I can tell you he didn't go to the University of Illinois, Geese College of Business. I mean, I I, I can tell you that. I mean, we've got folks here in our church that teach over there at the business school. And, And be it accountancy or logistics, I I, I just can't fathom any faculty teaching that the way to grow your business is to pay people who work one hour the same as you pay those who work the same job all day. And yet here we are. Yeah, we're hearing Jesus tell us about reality. Reality. This is Jesus' reality? The kingdom of heaven is like, and this is reality? I can tell you this reality pushes back against everything in our world's reality, don't you think? I mean, everything our merit-based, hierarchical world holds. This parable opposes any notion that what you earn is proportionate to sustained, strenuous human effort. And yet, here it is. I mean, this can't be true. It's framed by Jesus saying, in 1930. In 2016, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. You see that? You see that sandwich there? You got that saying that begins the parable and ends the parable, and and that that's a clue right there to Jesus' reality. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. But 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 who signs up to be last? I don't want to be last. (laughs) I want to be first. It's first come, first serve. Huh? The early bird gets the worm. From, from, from airplane boarding to military ranking to hospital uniform clothing. We, we believe that the first shall be first. And the last shall be last. Now, of course, I'm a minister. So, you know, I want to I be first in a way that doesn't look like I want to be first. so i just kind of tack on that phrase servant before leadership and i feel better about myself but i want to be i want to be first i like being first because i've been last i like being first this this is offensive it's a scandal this can't be true yet here it is here it is. What, 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 what's, going, what's going on here? What's going on here? Well, what's going on, what's going on is a bumper crop of grapes. That's what's going on here. Yeah. And, and, and the ventner, the ventner whom we'll name uh, uh, Randall Allen Mondavi, yeah, Randall Allen Mondavi, yeah, yeah. Randall Mandavi's bumper crop of grapes has come. I mean, it's just it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful year. And so the grapes have come, and and now it's time to harvest the grapes. And yet this bumper crop of grapes have n- now have posed a problem because we it, it's time to harvest, and we've got to harvest the grapes before the grapes go bad, and and there's not enough workers. And so so Randall goes to the town square where the day laborers show up at dawn. And back then, there in the marketplace, there at the town square, uh, you you hired yourself out by the day. And and you were paid by the day at the end of the day. And it was a hard life because it was hand-to-mouth existence. That's what it was. And if you didn't get chosen for work, you did get paid. No work, no pay, no pay, no food, and you've got a family to support. It was that tight. And that morning, the owner of the vineyard himself came. The owner of the vineyard himself came. The owner didn't send the foreman to go down. The owner himself came. And and he came and he hired the workers for, do you see the phrase there? A denarius. I will pay you a denarius. What's a denarius? A denarius is a coin. That's a coin which amounted to a day's wage. That's it, and so you had to have two hundred of those coins to survive back then. You you ha- that's just to make it. That's not putting away anything for the future. That's just day to day survival. You had to have two hundred of those coins, and that because that was the day's wage for a laborer back then. So 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 the vintner hires them, and they start to work. But but then but then something something. Something different happens in the palace of this parable. The owner comes back, comes back at the at the third and then the sixth and the ninth hours. You see that? You see that? That's 9 a.m. That's noon and that's 3 p.m. Okay. so he says, I need some help. I'll do what's right. I'll do what's right. So they go. But still but still there's more to do. there's more grapes to harvest and time is running out. So by now it's the 11th hour that it's 5 pm the fifth trip the owner has had to make to get the laborers and and and, and so and this is 5 pm and so the I mean, there's not a whole lot going on at the town square, 5 p.m., because it's 5 p.m., and one more hour is quitting time. I mean, I mean, the first crew hired, they were, they were, they were better, they were stronger, they were faster. At, at, at 5 p.m., we're looking at the leftover laborers. That's what we're looking at. It's not exactly the choice picks. And so the town square's empty. So, so, so Randall Mondavi hears noise there in the corner. There's a bar there there's a bar we'll call that bar we'll call that bar the buzzed bison that's what we'll call that bar the buzzed bison yes 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 that's what we'll call it the buzzed Bison. we've got a little Oklahoma theme going on here in this parable okay the buzzed bison and and so Randall goes in and he's in a button-down collar shirt chinos yeah yeah really yeah 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 why are you standing around why are you standing around and it goes real quiet and everybody turns around, and I mean, they're bearded, and they're inked up, and they're wearing metal, and leather, and boots, and, and, and Randall better talk fast, you know? Uh, look, i got some work. I need 20 of you for an hour, and I'm good for it. No one's hired us. It's a, uh, come on, let's, let's get in the truck. There's still more sun. And so it's like they're going, well we can do anything for an hour and if it's an hour whatever he pays us that's more to drink later on yeah we'll go so they get in the truck and they work and then it's sunset and it's 6 p.m. they call it a day they got the grapes in they got the grapes in it's been a good day good bumper crop got the grapes in and so the the randall says to the foreman let's do something a little different here let's do something different uh I'll fill the envelopes with cash and you pay them, only pay the crew from the buzzed bison first. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. So so that so the line forms, and the first person gets the envelope. The first person gets the envelope. And, they, and then they turn around and they get ready to walk away. And of course they're walking away and they're 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 rifling through the envelope and they look and they see it's a it's a day's it's a day's wage and and it's like they pause and it's like no just keep walking don't say anything about the overage just go just go just go and I mean it was just incredible as all of them well you, you could see what the others were seeing at the back of the line they were thinking oh my goodness oh my goodness okay 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 I mean what if, if those in front got a day's wage, well, well let's, let's do the math there. Let's multiply that by a dozen. It's going to, be, going to be, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a really good day. Verse 10 says, now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. They thought they would receive more. They expected to receive more. Someone once said that an expectation is premeditated resentment. Yeah. So they're, so they're licking their lips and, and, until they open, they open their envelopes. Hey, 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 not fair. Not fair. Verse 11. On receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house. Grumbled, grumbled, grumbled. That's a word. That's a word. Sometimes uh, in the original Greek language, words actually sound like uh, they're, they're how their the meaning is. And this is the word gongousmas. They gongousmas. They grumbled. They grumbled. They grumbled. What do you mean, grumbled? And you, you're reading this parable and you're thinking, Jesus, are you, what, are you, do you mean to say that when God balances the books in heaven, everybody gets the same? Are you, do, you, do, you, do you mean to say that? Is the reward the same for those who serve 12 hours, the same as the one who served one? Verse 12, you made them equal to us. That can't be true. That can't be true. So, so, I mean, some Christians live their whole lives knowing God, serving God. You know, we, 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 go, we go back through our, our spiritual resume where we belong to the church. We served in the church. We volunteered in the nursery. Well, it, 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 we, we helped out with middle school. We went on missions trips. We went to the Dominican Republic. We went to Ethiopia. We went to Peru. We've given thousands and thousands and thousands of kingdom work. Uh, are, are you saying, did God, did God treat A spiritual giant like Billy Graham who's preached the gospel to more people on earth than any other human being? Did God greet him the same way as the thief on the cross? This can't be true. Nobody wants to believe that this parable is true. You've been at your job decades, only to be passed over by a younger, more educated co-worker who's only been there a few years. You were hired early in the morning and now you've got nothing to show for it. All your life, you faithfully attended church and loved your neighbors and reared your children and now, boom, you're confronted with a gospel that you can't theorize or you can't spiritualize away. You've come face to face with the proclaimed Word of God. And it's a word that discomforts you and disorients you. It's a word which contracts the shallow promises of our world. It it goes entirely against our worldly system, which is discipling us every day through its media and music and movies. And we look at this parable and we come face to face with the fact that Jesus didn't tell these parables to make us feel warm and fuzzy. And as your pastor who loves you, Jesus did not call me to preach so that we would gather and sing and then leave and say, I really like Windsor Road. Makes me feel so comfortable. Now, these parables are intended to produce holy turbulence in your heart. And if you're not feeling it, you haven't really read it. Because this is a disturbing, disorienting parable. And, and part of my job as your pastor is to name. What is true, even if we wish it weren't true. You made them equal to us. That can't be true. Do you want to make your child happy today? Give him a toy. Do you want to make him unhappy? Give his sister. Two toys. <laughs> oh, we like grace as long as it's fair grace. <laughs> we want God to distribute grace as we see it. And we we like it if we approve of it. And we want God to offer mercy to those who deserve it most. Mercy to those who deserve it most. But if you have to earn grace, is it really grace? Do you really want God to be in the fairness business with you? I mean, isn't it better to accept that everything we have is by grace and everything that everybody else has is by grace too? You know, sometimes we get testy. When we see God's grace poured out on on others that we feel are less deserving. And when that happens, our loving Heavenly Father is quick to point out that His blessings are His to give. As He chooses, all is His to do with whatever He desires. And that's why in verse 13, the, the Lord speaks, right? And ah he starts with he, he starts with friend, friend, friend. That word also shows up in Matthew 22 12 and in Matthew 26 50. Matthew 22 12 and Matthew 26 50. And in each case, the friend is about to receive a, a courteous yet firm reality check. There's going to be a correction there. Friend, friend. Verse 13, what, what's your problem? I'm not doing you any wrong. Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am, am I not allowed to do with what, be, what I choose with what belongs to me? And, and then literally, literally that phrase, Do you begrudge my generosity? Literally, it's this. Or is your eye bad because I am good? Is your eye bad because I am good? In in verse 15, the bad eye is the diseased eye. And the diseased eye has a distorted vision and can't see straight and doesn't know that it can't see straight. And so you see, it, we look at that, and it dawns on us, is this how we've been seeing our Christianity? Is that our view of faith? Is that my view of God and his church, that, that it's somehow transactional, that if I serve enough, give enough, love enough, that, that, that I should just automatically have, is that, a, is, that, is that what we're doing here, a contract with God, a quid pro quo? With one hand, we've added up all we've done for God. With the other hand, we reach, we reach out for our paycheck. And then when God gives us what we wanted, we're not happy because we assume that whatever deal we struck with God ought to be the same deal others get as well. We, we worked all day, but they. We worked all day, but they. We, they, we, they. And now the body of Christ is divided. God doesn't play by our rules. We're upset. We're annoyed at the grace which God shows to others. Are you hearing the implied question that this parable answers? I told you that one of the ways to understand Jesus' parables is, what's the implied question here? And the implied question is simply this. How does my heart respond to God's generosity to another? How does my heart respond when God is generous to another? I mean, it's a convicting question. Am I the type of person who marvels at God's generosity to another, or do I get jealous? Do I get the bad eye? Do I get grumpy over the undeserved happiness of others as if mine were deserved? Do do, do you begrudge God's kindness for giving others the blessing of children, marriage, beauty, wealth, opportunities, work? Do you? Years ago, I attended a pastor's conference. And uh, uh, so, and I really, I just, I remember specifically saying, Lord, you know, I just really get tempted to play the comparison game. And so I just need some help, Lord. And, and so while the conference was first going on, I, it, it was, I mean, I, I felt disciplined. I felt disciplined at choosing not to compare myself or our church with any other ministers and the churches where they served. And I was doing really well until, until I heard from one minister whose church in Texas discovered oil on their property. Their first royalty check, their first royalty check. He actually said it. One million dollars. Gungus moss. Gong- Come on. I want some oil. When am I going to get some oil? I've served you all these years. What then will I have? What then will I have? And beloved church family, that is the very question that prompted this entire parable. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Go back up to chapter 19. Everything's in a context here. So so in Matthew chapter 19, that that question, what then will we have, came from the apostle Peter. Peter. So, so back up to chapter 19, in chapter 19 we see encounters which Christ had with the last and the first. So, so there's, there's the last, there's the last. That is that is those who have experienced here in this passage the pain of divorce. And, and, uh, and then children, children were considered the last in that day. Uh, uh, they, they were not viewed as persons. Yeah, they had no voice in their culture. Uh, 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 one commentator called them the involuntary marginalized, the last, the last. And then in chapter nineteen, you had those who thought they were the first, the first. Those are the Pharisees. You see that in chapter nineteen, verse three. And then, and then, and then, go back down to chapter uh, nineteen, verse sixteen. The rich young man, or the rich young ruler, who walked away from Christ because of his wealth and and then jesus says after that it's very difficult for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of god they they make it so much harder on themselves because of their wealth it's harder for them to see their need for god and then the apostle said well who then can be saved and jesus says no one can with man it's impossible but with god all things are possible and, then, and that's when Peter said in Matthew 19, 27, well, we've left everything to follow you. What are we going to get? What then for us? What then for us? And Jesus, oh, he's so patient with Peter. But he says this. He says, Peter, in the new world, in the new world, I'm going to be good to you. you. You and the 12, you will be assigned 12 thrones. But don't let that go to your head because there's grace for all and then we read the first will be last and the last will be first so so grace is coming to the 5 PMers as well as to the early birds see because of god's sovereign grace yeah now someone may be thinking well if that's the case why not wait until the 11th hour so that I don't have to do any heavy lifting? Right? I mean, what's the incentive of serving God at 6 a.m. instead of 5 p.m.? Why why, why serve God at 6 a.m. when I can sleep in, play video games all day, eat ice cream, and then at 5 p.m. put in an hour's work of work in the shade, after which I waltz right into the pearly gates? I get the question. I get the question. And... Let's keep this in mind. Anybody who asks that question has forgotten how desperate they were when they were first invited to serve in the vineyard. See, They they have forgotten how broken and bankrupt their family was. They forgot that their families were depending upon them for support and they had nothing until the owner came along. They forgot that though they did, in fact, work longer and harder. In fact, the owner found them in the very same place where he found the others. They, they forgot that the vineyard is a place of hope, a place of provision, a place of promise, as opposed to where they were, a place of hunger, despair, and purposelessness. And furthermore, my scheming about waiting until the last hour assumes that the owner will show up to choose me on my timetable rather than his. You see, the fact is the owner doesn't owe me a thing. To whom does God owe heaven? That's why, that's why grace has been defined this way. Grace is unconditional acceptance given to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. Grace is one-way love. Imagine this, church. Imagine waking up at dawn and And going to the town square, hoping to work, knowing that others are leaning upon you and you're not chosen. You're not chosen. Others are depending on you and you're not chosen. Not at dawn, not at 9 a.m., not at noon or 3 p.m. And now it's 5 p.m. and you're hungry and those depending upon you are hungry. And now the owner himself appears. The owner himself appears and invites you into his vineyard. And you don't even ask what the pay is. You don't even ask. You just know that his vineyard is better than your empty stomach. And then, and then, I mean, grace upon grace, you get a full, full day's wage. Imagine your gratitude to the owner, unlike any you've ever met. Jesus doesn't play by the rules. He goes beyond the rules. You see, if God has chosen to give someone else a gift that he hasn't given you, it's not because they're better. It's because God wills it. It's his to give. It's his to give. And so I'm going to be grateful for whatever it is God has given me because it was God's to give. And if God has given you something or more or the same or less, then I'm going to rejoice in that because it was his to give. It was his to give. And let me just let all of us in on a secret. Here it is. Every one of us, we're all 5 PMers. Yeah, in the larger scheme of Christian history, we're not the early birds. We're the 5 PMers, every one of us. That's why one author wrote, bookkeeping is the only punishable offense in the kingdom of God. For in that happy state, the books are ignored forever, and there's only one book, the book of life. And in that book, nothing stands against you. Because if the world could have been saved by bookkeeping, it would have been saved by Moses, not Jesus. And when it became perfectly clear that no one could keep the books... For the scripture says, no one is righteous, no not one. Jesus took on my books, my debt in his death on the cross for me. Paul says in Colossians 2, 17, he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. And so now there are no debt entries that can keep you out of the clutches of a love that will not let you go. You keep your eyes on Christ. Do you know how to stay grateful for God's generosity to you, no matter what that generosity is? You know, you keep your eyes on Christ. It's only when the laborers started looking around at the other laborers that envy set in. But you keep your eyes on Christ. It's His sovereign grace. It's His mercy. It's His to give. And he didn't have to give it. I'm so glad he did. Well, here's our big idea before I sit down. It's this. Whenever God freely invites you into his kingdom, respond. Whatever God freely gives you in his kingdom, rejoice. There it is. Whenever. Whenever God invites you, whether it's 6 a.m. or 5 p.m., respond. Respond. Whatever God freely gives you in his kingdom, rejoice. And what if we we said, what if we left this room saying, you know, we're going to do that. We are going to respond to God's invitation when he gives it, and we're going to rejoice in God's gifts whenever whenever he gives it. What if we decided to do that? What, what if we were a community that was filled with so much gratitude? What if we were a community filled with so much joy, so much love, so much appreciation to God for His goodness and mercy that whoever walks in to our whatever whoever walks in here, we see them as the as the landowner did. See what if what what if what if we didn't ask what's in it for us because whatever happens to us, God's going to be good. God will not defraud you, church family. He's good. We already know. We already know what we have. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. That's what we have in Christ. And you can't put that in a bank. You can't. What would it be like to sing the doxology? listen, one of the marks of a mature converse, uh, one of the marks of a mature congregation is that its members root for one another. Amen. Amen. I'm asking you as your pastor, would you please root for one another? Would you please encourage one another? Would you please cheer on one another? Yeah. And, and, and then, would you please treat? people like the owner treated the people he went down to the town square himself he didn't delegate it out to the foreman he went down himself he personally came to get the workers he wanted them in his field he made five trips five trips his compassion led him to go to the hurting himself his compassion led him to show up in the flesh The incarnation right there. He showed up. He showed up. And he demonstrated costly love to all of us. Jesus is describing himself. Can you see the gospel in this parable? Can you see Bethlehem and Jerusalem joining hands? Can you see the incarnation and the atonement coming together here? Self-giving takes on the form of costly love. And, you know... Just as we looked at before these verses, after these verses, we read in 17 to 19 that Jesus said, We're going up to Jerusalem, and there the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, deliver him to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Jesus himself went to the cross so that all could come to his vineyard. He paid the tab for all of us. Thanks be to God, amen.